0: One of the first things that I learned in this industry was um, lead by example, right? So, I never asked any of my staff to do something that I haven't done myself at least four or five times um, minimum. Uh, In this concept, actually, in Red Chicks' concept, the first seven months, I worked in the kitchen every day um, to make sure. And I did everything, right? So, I did everything myself. Uh, To make sure that this is something I'm not putting too much complication in the kitchen for our step.
1: Welcome back, rock stars. You know, the restaurant business is just about the only industry I can think of where you can start at the absolute bottom and work your way up through the ranks and then start your own empire. And that is exactly my guest story. Today, I'm speaking with Mr. Sean Lalazarian, and he's a native-born Iranian who came to this country with no English-speaking skills, started off in the restaurant business as a dishwasher, worked his way up to server, to cook, to manager, and now he's the founder of a fast-growing Nashville hot chicken franchise chain called the red chicks. There's so much to be learned here today. We're going to learn all about how Sean has maintained an 80% labor retention rate during COVID and during this labor crisis. There's so much to be learned there. We're going to talk all about, you know, what is Nashville hot chicken? What makes it unique and special and different? What Sean's unique, bre- you know, blend of marketing has been to really set his chicken apart from the competition in a very competitive segment. We're also going to talk about how he has kept his operations straight streamlined and super efficient, and there's something to be learned for all of us in this episode, so don't miss it. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Rockstars, let me tell you about Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed for restaurateurs, by restaurateurs. Effective labor management is more important than ever to maximize profit and success, especially now as restaurants begin to reopen and expand their teams. Trusted by over half a million restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to simplify scheduling, easily manage time and attendance, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll systems you already use and trust, turning your team into a competitive advantage to your business. Right now, Restaurant Rockstars listeners can get three months absolutely free. Get started now at sevenshifts.com forward slash restaurant rockstars. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com forward slash restaurant rockstars to get three months of industry-leading labor management for free. Now on with the episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. As you know, our passion is to help you rediscover your passion in this business. The pandemic has been hugely challenging. It continues to be hugely challenging, but I'm so inspired by my guests and today's guest is no exception. I'm speaking with Mr. Sean Lalazarian, and he is the founder of a fast casual concept. It is now a franchise, and it's called Red Chicks, and his story is very interesting. So welcome to the show, Sean. How are you today?
0: Doing great, Roger. Thanks for having me.
1: Excited to have you here. So you are of Iranian descent, and you came to this country in what year, Sean? When did you come to the
0: U.S.? So I immigrated to U.S. from Iran in 98.
1: Okay. 1998. And when you came here, I understand that you spoke no English and you got into the restaurant business. So why don't you take it from there and tell us your story?
0: Right. When I moved here, um, I didn't know anything. I didn't know the culture. I didn't know anything about this country. It was uh, sort of uh, my dad was the last member of the family that was still left in Iran. So everyone else was here. We just moved here. So, yeah, it started with, I didn't know any English, uh, went to, uh, started college uh, after about six months. But the, the, the first couple of months, um, uh, I needed to start making money. So, uh, my uncle had a restaurant in San Diego. So, he was like, hey, if you want to start a, uh, if you want to get a job, I mean, I have a dishwasher position open if you want to work at it. And uh, it, it was the easiest job to take right it didn't require any english or skills or any specific skills so i started as a dishwasher at the same at the restaurant and um, kind of worked there for about two three months and i really liked the flow of the restaurant and what was going on and how uh, the challenges were coming along and uh, on a daily basis, there was something, there was a problem to fix and what to do and how to arrange things and deal with call outs and stuff. And yeah, um, so the, right there, I was like, okay, one day I want to own my own restaurant. This is, I think this is the industry I want to be in. And after about six, seven months, uh, I got to uh, being the cook, uh, one of the cooks, um, worked as a cook for about a year and a half or two. And then uh, start uh, working in front of the house. My English was a lot better after two and a half years that I could, uh, it was it, it was good enough to actually just, you know, deal with customers and take the orders and stuff. And um, so work as a server for about a year, I would say. Um, and then I applied for different positions and got hired by HMS host for airport operation. Um, food and beverage uh, airport operation in San Diego. And one of the very first projects that I got on was opening a Chili's restaurant in uh, pre-security in uh, San Diego airport. And, um, you know, it was a big change because I've never worked at corporate. You know, my, my, all my experience was in a small shop, uh, it's a mom and pop shop and things were very really different. And uh, when I got to corporate world, it was a little, it was a good shock. I realized that I don't really know much in working in in corporate style. Um, So as I was working at host, I started reading a lot of books and Jim Rohn was one of the uh, main influencers in my life at that beginning stages. Um, A lot of books about anything about how to write an email uh, professionally with, you know, corporate language to how to manage staff and leadership and management. Um, I read a lot of books during that time. and I would say that's where my reading books uh, habits started. But uh, so from there, very quickly, I was the youngest uh, assistant manager in the company. So very quickly, Uh, I think within about a year, if I'm not mistaken, I got promoted to store manager uh, in John Wayne Airport. And then from there, I became a part of the corporate opening team. Uh, I was with host for about eight years, eight, nine years. Throughout those years, I was uh, part of opening about 40 plus different restaurants around the nation in Canada. I got to work with uh, concepts like uh, pf chang and wolf Pucks and starbucks pinkberry cpk and also operating uh the branches so uh got to a senior management position and operating uh, a branch with a volume of 24 million dollars and 400 Amazing. employees and um uh, uh, during that time, I also got involved with Tony Robbins events, and that was another, uh, I would say, event that changed my life yeah. and yeah. helped me grow drastically. Uh, I got so obsessed with the events that I became part of uh, the volunteer team. And I i think for about four years, I volunteered every uh Robin's events around the world actually traveled with him to London and uh, up north and around the nation. Um, And in 2014 came around an opportunity uh, and open our first restaurant in downtown Los Angeles in October 2014. Opened the second restaurant two years later in 2016 and opened Red Chicks in October 2018.
1: Where did the idea come from and that whole transition because you've got an extensive corporate career, you've opened numerous concepts, you've got such a deep grounding in the restaurant business, seeing all sides of the operation, which is unbelievable foundation for what you plan to do. But when did you get the idea to start your own franchise and where did the concept come from, Sean?
0: So the concept came from, uh, we opened the very first restaurant we opened in 2014 in downtown LA. Um, After about four years in 2018, beginning of 2018, we felt like downtown LA was growing so rapidly. And we need to grow with that movement. And we need to make adjustments to our concept. And uh, we were looking to, to... changed the concept to something new and exciting. And as we were doing research, we came across Nashville Hot Chicken. Um, Did some research for a couple of months, figured it's an open market, and there are not many competition out there uh, at that time, obviously. So we decided that that's going to be the concept we want to work with. Uh, Flew out to Nashville for about two, three weeks, and... Uh, didn't know anyone or anything in Nashville. So (laughs) I started uh, asking from the Uber driver who picked me up from the airport to the bellman at the hotel or guys that I went to bar at the end of the night to uh, if they had any family members that knew how to make Nashville hot chicken and just passing out my number and say, hey, if you know anyone, just give me a call. So there were a couple of uh, Uber drivers that they call me after a couple of days and they were like, Hey, I asked my sister, she knows how to make it. Um They me in, to their home and showed me the home style cooking of Nashville hot chicken. And one of the days that I was just uh, in the meanwhile, I was going to every single Nashville hot chicken restaurant in Nashville, basically just yeah. like the research, right. research, right. Right. Yeah. And see how the setting is and all that. And one of those days that my Uber driver was like, what are you in Nashville for? I was like, I'm here to learn how to make Nashville hot chicken. It was like, hey, my cousin owns a Nashville hot chicken restaurant. Do you want me to take you there? So uh, he took me there and that was amazing. They were really nice people. I spent the whole day in the back of the house. They showed me everything from uh, the flour and battering to how it should be seasoned and what's the ingredients in the seasoning and um, got all that information, came back to L.A., and try to put together our own recipe. And throughout the first year, I would say, uh, as we were open, we were still working on our recipe. We wanted to perfect the recipe and make sure that this is great, not just the Nashville part of it, but also the fried chicken part of it. So the product that we have today, I would say, is a a touch of probably eight different chefs. And uh, everything that I learned in Nashville. So, it, the creation is not just from one brain, but it took about eight different chefs to put it together. Um, different pieces, we obviously learned different things from each chef and we adjusted our product. But the product that we have today is pretty amazing. And as for how it became, how we got to doing the franchise, the story actually is very interesting.
1: I have to tell you about Bear Robotics, a Silicon Valley startup that's revolutionizing the standard of superior restaurant service. So we all know the headaches that come with running a restaurant. Our servers are constantly dashing for drinks, bussing tables, running food, and running themselves ragged. Factor in the recent labor shortage and skeleton crew dynamics, and it's enough to drive any staff mad. Well, Bear Robotics is here to fix this with Servi, a restaurant robot that takes care of all those repetitive tasks, while allowing your staff to focus on the finer points of outstanding service and real human interactions. Yep, the personal touch. This all leads to happier customers, higher ratings, and greater employee retention. Listen, Rockstars, these robots are able to map and navigate your entire restaurant, even with multiple models in use. And they're also the only restaurant robots that are NSF certified for health compliance. Now, all those repetitive tasks like running food, bussing tables, and delivering drinks, Servi handles it, and you can lease one for as little as $3 per hour. Visit bearrobotics.ai forward slash restaurant to get started today. This changes everything.
0: First month that we opened, I think it was like the third month, I still have the Yelp preview. Uh, that was left, someone left the the review for us, a one-star review for us and said, these guys are the Taco Bell of Nashville hot chicken. And it was a one-star, right? So obviously, you know, we were compared with, and um, I got the review and right there I was like, what if we become a Taco Bell? Like, what if we just become that giant? Yeah, right. And uh, it was the very first, Time that I thought about it, I was like, that's that would be a great expansion. Back then, the market was still at least in LA, it was not saturated back then. We, we were when we opened, I think we were the fourth Nashville hot chicken in LA when we opened uh, back in 2018.
1: Were those independent so was- units, Sean, or did they grow and they had multiple locations? These other Nashville Hot Chicken places in LA? Were they franchises at that point? Were they no, company on store? They were no yeah. a single owner. Independent right. restaurants, yeah. Right. Okay, gotcha. And,
0: um, so that was the that that was the initial spark of franchising and expansion. Um, so kept that Yelp preview. I still I took a screenshot of it and <laughs> yeah, it's kept on that, the wall. All right, and um, so we start working on the, the reason we're working on our recipe was exactly that we didn't initially have the idea of franchising, but we knew we want to expand to multiple locations. So we're like, okay, how can we get every recipe from our flour to sauce and seasoning uh, so easy that we can duplicate it. Correct. Um, so we spend a good amount of time working on all that, the foundation of having everything ready. So when the opportunity comes, we just go full force instead of trying to figure things out then. Nice. So uh, we spend, like I said, a good amount of time, about a year and a half or so on that. And once everything was done, then, uh, and we realized as we were working on that, a lot of different concepts, they start expanding in LA, uh, with multiple locations. So we figured by the time we were ready, uh, the LA area was pretty saturated with this concept. So we thought the expansion outside of the city would be the best for us. And that's how we got to franchise idea. And, um, yeah, and about a year later, uh, we. It was about two months ago that we launched our franchise in the market. And within the last two months, we've we've had so far over 700 prospects uh, that are interested in our concept. And um, yeah.
1: That's amazing. So the photos of the chicken on the website look absolutely amazing. And I understand that they're 100% hormone-free chicken. So you took a stance for a healthier product and a natural product. And the quality was super important. And you talked about refining the recipes. It started out with 10 different, not necessarily recipes, but 10 different Nashville hot chicken operations that you tasted and you like, you liked this one and you took the best of that. And how do you do this and how do you do that? And then you combined it all to make your, your own unique formula and recipes. Were you involved in the whole cooking process? Because you did have cooking skills as well. Did you bring in a corporate chef and to refine everything? Like, how did all that come
0: about? I was actually so. Yeah the initial recipe that was together, put together, I did that the seasoning, the Mm -hmm. sauce, uh, uh, and the the flour mix, the batter mix. So the seasoning and the sauce has not been touched since day one that I put those recipes together myself. Uh, what, What we've adjusted throughout the time was the batter of the chicken, how we can get it so light and crunchy and how can we get it to stay crunchy. So uh, right now, if if you try our chicken, if you buy it today and put it aside and come back to the next day, it's still crunchy as the same day. Nice. Um, So those are the little things that we were working on to make sure the perfection is there. Uh, But as for everything else, the original recipes are the current recipes for the seasoning and sauce. We were working on different manufacturer to get the exact same recipe for us. Uh, went through multiple tasting and adjustments with the sauce and seasoning to get those right. So when the expansion comes, we don't have to deal with any uh, change in the flavor or the consistency of our product. So now we have all those products. When we had all those products, we decided to uh, go into franchise and expansion.
1: And you've got six different levels of heat in that chicken, right? It starts at cool and it goes all the way to inferno. And each one has its own little, you know, variation that make it. So all this has to go into your franchise concept, not only just the recipe, how to duplicate that to get the flavor consistent, to get the heat consistent. Right. All that's part of the tr- uh, the training process, I'm
0: sure. Absolutely. Yes. So, yeah, it goes from uh, no heat. Cool is the no heat. Yeah. Uh, and the last two Inferno and Blaze are uh, basically extremely hot. They have uh, the hottest peppers in the yeah, world
1: and, yeah
0: uh, but but the flavor we were more focused on flavor than the heat when we were putting the, the recipe together mm-hmm. i wanted to make sure that if the heat of nashville hot chicken is the hype we didn't want to just write that wave of the hype we wanted to make sure that we get to this sector of the uh, market and we stay uh, we didn't want to just, you know, uh, take advantage of the hype. So our focus was mainly on natural flavor, uh, with the heat. Uh, I know a lot of natural hot places that they're focused on the heat because they felt like that's what makes it pop. Um, so there's not much flavor, but there's a lot of heat. Um, our product has a lot of flavor and, and the heat is there if you want to. So if you really want to have a spicy, uh, product then we definitely have that but the main focus for us was the flavor. You
1: know, I see the the heat factor as being sort of a strong marketing element that sort of captures the public's imagination and draws them into the restaurant. And that, I would call that a hook, you know, something very unique and different that sets your restaurant apart. Would you say that uh, many people go for the inferno and the blaze? Those really, really hot, or is that just sort of... Um, add a little fire to the marketing, but most people go for something in the middle, or is it all over the place?
0: Yeah. See, at the beginning, uh, that's exactly what it was. At the beginning, um, there was a lot of Blaze and Inferno uh, trying, and people wanted to see how hot they can go and all that. Uh But for the repeated customers, I mean, medium and hot is basically our most selling Yeah, right
1: in the middle, the sweet spot. Uh,
0: I want to say Blaze is also very close, Hmm. uh, but uh, Inferno is not really for people who are at our restaurant on a daily basis. Our regulars that they shop at our restaurant three, four, five times a week. Um, I wouldn't say we have that many Infernos. We have mainly medium and hot, spark and bonfire are the levels that we have named them. Um, Those are the top selling heat levels when it comes to it. So that, actually uh it gives me the the exact th- same thing that we were working on that the flavor is more important when this food becomes part of your you know daily consumption rather than the hype of uh uh trying your spicy food
1: so it sounds like the food was dialed from the very beginning and that was something that was going to draw the customers in let's talk about what challenges that you experienced opening the doors to this restaurant because as we know this is a very challenging business i call it one of a thousand details and it's so much more than just putting out a quality product suddenly you've got to be a people expert and a marketing expert and a finance expert and you know there's so many pieces to running a strong restaurant did you run into any challenges uh, or did you have Key people that helped with all those areas? Like, how did you refine? Because before you can start selling franchises, your main location or locations, if they're company owned stores, really need to be systemized and dialed. And, you know, we know what those systems are. So tell us about that like the transition from opening the doors to the place to getting the bugs out of the concept to then ultimately creating the system so that you could duplicate it in multiple locations. And then obviously have franchisees operate it to your consistency and expectation, right? That's a whole transition, a jump from this store to now we get a franchise and we want our people to be successful. You know, they need to be successful because that's a reflection on our training, on our systems, all that kind of stuff. How can can you speak to that? In 2020, the number of people using food ordering and delivery services surged 30%. And as a restaurant owner, it's crucial to meet guests where they are. That's where Pop Menu comes in. Pop Menu gives restaurant owners the tools they need to transform their online presence, simplify ordering and delivery, and take control of marketing. Pop Menu will build your restaurant a website designed to engage guests, showcase your menu with featured photos and reviews, and ditch those boring PDFs. But Pop Menu is so much more than just an online menu. Each pop menu site is built with in-house delivery options to open more revenue streams and enable you to meet guests wherever they want to eat. And you can easily set up curbside pickup and contactless ordering, while Pop Menu's retargeting tools enable you to build long-lasting relationships with guests. Trust me, your restaurant needs pop menu to get to the next level. And for a limited time, my listeners will get $100 off their first month, plus an unchanging monthly rate. At popmenu.com forward slash rockstars go now to get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com forward slash rockstars
0: yeah uh, absolutely so like i said from uh, the get-go from when we were studying this concept Mm -hmm. uh, our focus was to have multiple stores we didn't have the the franchising thought back then but we we knew that we want to open at least four or five locations So from day one, we basically, as I was putting pieces of this concept together, I had that in mind that, okay, so when two years from now or three years from now, we have our next store, how is this going to happen? How easy is it going to be for me to have these pieces and just duplicate them and copy paste it in the new location? Um, So went back to a lot of... um, operational manuals that I had from different concepts from back when I opened uh, these restaurants around the nation. And I basically review them all and took all the pieces that I thought, okay, this is effective. This is how it worked out in that concept. I remember this is a good element when we were training staff for this concept. So I basically pulled all the best experiences that I had with these different concepts. And mm-hmm. to my experience, Excellent. because when I was doing these openings, I was underground right i was there from a to z i knew exactly what was working what was not working so all that really helped me to put these pieces together in a functional way Um, that was one piece the other piece was uh, like i said just being ready for it right so i didn't want to wait till the second store comes then we figure out okay how are we going to make sure that the seasoning or the sauce is going to be producing that store the same as we do in this store. Uh, there were multiple thoughts back then of having a commissary kitchen and make sure everything goes out from there. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I thought it's better to just manufacture it because we're going to have enough volume between the four or five stores that we were planning to open. So I, I, I initially started that route and oh. you know got with different uh, manufacturers and Uh, send them our sample and said, this is what we're looking for and went through producing it. And I was like, okay, now that we have the recipe down and that's the product that we need, just hold till I tell you when to start production because we don't have the volume yet. So all these companies that have been on hold basically on standby uh, for us to tell them when to start production so we can get to our product. And when we got to the franchise idea, then it just basically there was not much to do because i've already by that time i already had all the work done for for nice. that aspect of it right so luckily uh, i got with having all that down i got my main focus to be on how do we do the marketing for franchising and how do we make sure that from operation side everything else works great for our franchisee like, we pretty much have everything finalized for our franchisees within the first two months of working on on our packets and and operations manual and FDD. Everything was pretty much ready. Fantastic. If if we had anyone applying the first two months before even the FDD was ready, we could actually supply them and everything and and offer the training. Um, Another aspect of it that I think it, it... we got lucky with that is that our staff has been with us majority of them about 80% of our staff have been with us for seven years since we opened our first restaurant so they know all the ins and outs of everything we've gone through how we came across all these recipes and we put them together and um i always especially with our back of the house people i um always get their opinion as to, okay, we are trying to do this. How is that going to work? Do you think it's operational in, in, you know, day to day? And is it going to make things easier or, or harder? So the input that we got from the staff that they work on daily basis in our operations was key to make sure that everything that we put together is simple and it's easy to operate and it doesn't make things complicated for no reason. Um, that, I would say, was another aspect that helped us a lot in this process of having these key employees giving us their input, that they've worked with you know, customers on databases, and what are the comments, and what are the challenges that they, they think exist, whether it's front of the house or back of the house, and how to fix them. Um, I think that was another element that helped us drastically.
1: Well, you've got a strong retention rate there. So 80 plus percent is super strong in this industry, especially now. So that speaks to leadership by example. And you know, what else did you do special? You must have created a company culture that everybody believed in and a common mission that everyone follows. And now all these people have seen your whole career growth and and the company's growth, and they understand the ins and outs of what got you to where you are now. Did you do anything special? Like describe your you know your employee, your staff training, um, recognition rewards, anything that really kept people motivated and believing that they're on the same page as you and they're we're all moving forward with the same common goal. Like that's magic. You know any restaurant that can do that is magic. Creating that culture that gets everybody inspired and and moving forward is is a really powerful thing. What did you do?
0: Thank you, Roger. Yeah. And you touched on that, actually. One of the first things that I learned in this industry was um, lead by example, right? So I never asked any of my staff to do something that I haven't done myself at least four or five times um, minimum. Uh, in this concept, actually, in Red Chicks concept, the first seven months, I worked in the kitchen every day um, to make sure... And I did everything, right? So I did everything myself uh, to make sure that this is something I'm not putting too much complication in the kitchen for our staff. But so that's one thing. I mean, I've I've done everything myself from cleaning the bathroom to, you know, serving and, and wiping the table and handling anything and everything in the restaurant. So that I think brings a different respect into the operation for staff and everyone else. Um, another thing is we, uh, from day one, because of the background that I had, that I, I, was a dishwasher myself and a cook and I work in this the different mm-hmm. positions, right. uh, we never really treated our employees as employees. It was not a business transaction from Thank day you. one. Our employees are the family. Excellent. You know, they are definitely an extension of our family and we, 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 pour that into the franchise as well. I remember one of the very first questions when we were hiring the marketing company was asked was that, uh, how do you want to see your franchisees? Are they business partners or are they family? And you're know, like a family. This is this is going to be a family. It's not. This is not business transaction. So with our staff, they've been family from day one. And it's not just, it, we're not boxed into the time that they spend at work and with us, Uh, we know pretty much majority of their family members. You know, every year we do the Thanksgiving events that we invite everyone. All our employees can come with their family and whoever they want. Um, That has been every year uh, thing for us. Fourth of July, we do the same thing. And we also know, uh, you know, their immediate family in a very close Uh, relationship, but their kids and, uh, you know, if they they had a baby and how how the growth is going and the help that they needed. And uh, we have different and they've done the same for us. It's not a one way thing, you know, as we get involved with their family and uh, their life, they do the same. So uh, I think that was the magic part, the part that we have treated our employees like family. There's no business transaction here.
1: That's beautiful. That's exactly what I would expect to hear. Now, you've also amassed a huge social media following, right? You've got over a million followers on uh, TikTok and Instagram. Uh, how did you achieve that? Because that's pretty extraordinary. I mean, people really must be into this concept of that many followers. I mean, granted, you've been around for years, but still, that is a large following. Did you do anything special to promote your social media following. I mean, let's talk about that.
0: Absolutely. So it's it's interesting that you say that because this past weekend we actually reached one million on our TikTok. And uh our TikTok hasn't been I think we've been on TikTok for less than two years. We didn't have a TikTok account from day one that I opened that we opened the restaurant. Um so the and our social media team has done a fantastic job on both Instagram and TikTok. Uh, but what I think it was uh, from day one, we didn't want to handle those accounts ourselves because we knew that's not our piece. Sure. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about social media to the extent of leading it or managing it. Right. So we, we, we got this great team that um, that's all they do. They just know social media and they know how to work mm-hmm. on the accounts we meet on monthly basis to see what we should do for the next three months, right? How, how to be ahead of the game three months and, or six months. And um, I think the creativity that the social media team had uh, was absolutely a, a key into this, how we can attract, what sort of a content do we create to get to get the, the, interaction with people and get them to actually like and follow um another thing was i like i said i'm not a social media guy but when it comes to uh creative ideas i majority of the time have uh, crazy ideas
1: yeah he had uh, a, a marketing mind
0: <laughs> you know a lot of them uh yeah. Don't come to life because they're too crazy and <laughs> just.
1: You never know, though. You got a fun you know, concept and crazy might work in some cases. But keep going. Right.
0: But some of them has. Yeah. Right. right. So we brought some of those crazy ideas, like doing this giant uh, national hot chicken sandwich that we did uh, about a month and a half ago. Um, so some crazy ideas that I bring into the game and and the team is like, no, that's not going to happen, or okay, yeah, we can work with that. Uh, but but majority, I should give the credit to the people that they've been mm. working on our social media. Fantastic! And they've done a great job. We haven't uh, to to your point. We haven't really done much of social media marketing. Um, it's all pure, gener- uh, uh, organic followers that we have, and a lot of uh, that work, uh, translate into our store and our transactions. I mean, on weekly basis, if not daily basis, we have people that they come to our uh, restaurant, and they're like, we've been following on TikTok for the past three weeks, and we had to come in. Um, and a lot of them are actually from out of town, or we have people on weekly basis that they come from Phoenix, Arizona, or Nevada, or they drive from Northern California just to try our food. And just go back because they've been following us or the kid has been following us for like three months on TikTok and they're like, we just had to come and try it. So I would say giving the work to people who are master at it was the success that we had, you know, in our social media.
1: That's fantastic. Let's talk about the franchise training. What's it like when you select a new franchisee and they have the qualifications you're looking for, and they seem like they're going to be part of the family? What do you do? You bring them into the store, and what happens then?
0: Yes, so we offer uh, three weeks training in our facility mm-hmm. uh, that includes hands on, a lot of hands on, um, and some, you know, class training. Uh, from the from my experience of training these openings that I had at host is that when you do the initial training, um, I mean, this is everyone. I think this is just, it doesn't matter in what sort of training we are talking, but uh, people as they're getting trained, they decide what's important and what it's not and what they should remember and what is not really important. Don't worry about that. Um, So to me, majority of the time when you do training, people take if you're lucky they take about 80% of what you've thought them and they take it with them and they try to put that into effect right now if you get more than 80% that, that's fantastic and it happens i'm not saying it doesn't okay. but on average yeah. i feel like people just take 80% of what they learn and they put it into action and it's that was one of the challenges that ha, if that happens with our franchisees and they only take eighty percent, and they take take that eighty percent and train their staff with eighty percent, and they staff now take eighty percent of that, then we are probably left with fifty percent of what we are teaching them when they open the store, right? Gotcha. Yeah, and I think that's where most of the challenges happens with when you are expanding with how do we make sure. That they take hundred percent and they train hundred percent and let the staff be the ones that they take eighty percent of that. So to to make that easier and and simpler, our like I said, our concept is always focused on how do we make things simple. There is really a, a very easy and uh, simple part of the operation that is part of the training, right? Uh, we've made pretty much everything. Automated. There's not much prep happening in store. If anything, I think the only prep is they have to mix the coleslaw mix with the season. And that's it. That's, Everything else comes to store. Then yeah. you just open the bag and yeah. toss the chicken in it and the chicken is pre marinated. So we've done that part.
1: Fantastic. Um, that makes it so easy.
0: Operas- absolutely. As mm-hmm. for operation side, uh, we've, we are working with uh, uh, softwares like Jolts that make, um, management communication very easy. Uh, It's a software that uh, comes with a tablet and it communicates with all the phones that you can add and emails. And it makes the paper uh, trend that you have to keep all these temp logs and everything. It's out of the picture. Everything is saved on the cloud. And if they miss anything, if they miss the four-hour temp log, then it sends you a text message five minutes later to say, hey, it's been four hours and five minutes and no temp log has been done. So as easy as we could make it using technology and everything that's out there, we may think easy. So there's not much error that can happen, right? We have minimized that percentage of error that can happen. Um, so that's why I said our training is majority of them. I would say 95% of it is hands-on. It, it, there's not much of Uh, class training here because all we need you to master is how to put that food out and how to interact with customers. That's it. Because everything else in regards to operation, we've made it so easy. You don't really have to do much.
1: Very impressive.
0: Uh, You don't really have to have the knowledge of restaurant business as long as you're committed and willing to just come in and do what it takes, Right, right. made everything easy so you can spend the time with customers and with the food that goes out.
1: Let's talk about locations because, you know, locations are super important for visibility and for drive-by traffic and for walk-through traffic and all that. And obviously the pandemic has resulted in so many restaurant spaces for lease across the country right now. Do you help find locations? Do you give them guidelines on what to look for? Is there an average square footage for your stores? I mean, what's that? How does all that work?
0: Yes, absolutely. So the average square footage we have for our store is about 1,000 square foot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Throughout my airport uh, experience, I've learned how to use small square footage and get the most out of it. So um, 1,000, we require a small footprint. So 1,000 or 1,100 is sufficient. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, we do have a list of the uh, location criteria that we have that we are looking for. So uh, as we progress with our FDD process with a prospect, we'll give them that uh, list of what we think the location should have to be successful. And also, uh, once they have two or three locations that they've picked and they like, we'll fly out to whatever area they are. And we'll look at those locations. We'll do a walkthrough with the prospect and we'll share our thoughts as to which one we think would be the most successful out of the three or none of them or all three. And um, the the final decision is theirs. As long as the location meets our criteria, um, they can decide which location they would like to pick. But we'll be with them every step of that work
1: that's quite a bit of support that's fantastic are there any drive through locations is a drive through important to the concept is that something that some stores will have and some stores won't uh, where do you stand on drive throughs uh,
0: we don't have any uh, obviously a drive through location in operation right now we do have it in our uh, fdd and if mm-hmm. if someone is interested with a great location and they we feel like it would be absolute success then yes we are definitely open to that but we currently are focusing on Um, small footprint, with a good area of, uh, dining area. Um, that's our focus for now. Our food is made to order. So we don't have any warmer or anything in our kitchen. We don't hold any of our products on a warmer for 30, 45 minutes.
1: Right. so So that would impact that. Yeah.
0: Right. So our food is everything is made to order, uh, our chicken. Uh, and, uh, wedges everything we don't, like I said, we don't keep them on the warmer, mm. um, it, the cooking time is nine minutes and in nine minutes, uh, we've put a system in place that you can produce a, th- a hundred pieces of tenders every nine minutes. Um, so we can't, that can supply, um, a, 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 a minimum of hundred hundred. Mm-hmm. But, um, that can supply a drive-through location if there is one. Um, but we currently don't have any of them.
1: That makes sense. So you mentioned you had um, several hundred, I think you said like 700 prospects for the franchise itself. Is there a growth plan in place? Are you going to grow slowly, moderately? I know that they're mostly Western states. It looked like Nevada was a a next uh, possible step for uh, expansion as well as Texas, maybe. What are your thoughts on future growth?
0: Yes, yeah, so we, we started with, obviously, California, Nevada, Arizona, and Texas mm-hmm. um, to uh, do our growth from West Side and then expand. Um, you know, yes, we are um, aggressive when it comes to our growth, but we definitely don't want to kill the brand in the growth process. So we do want to grow, grow fast, but we also want to grow cautiously to make sure that The brand representation is right. And most importantly, we can give the support to our franchisees um, as they need it. You know, I I don't think the opening 150 stores in one year uh, is, no, that's not a goal. Uh, The goal is to open the locations that we can support perfectly. So if I can have 20, 30, 50 franchisees within the next year and a half, Mm -hmm. that they're happy with the support and they're happy with the operation and the concept that would be a huge success for us
1: absolutely Um,
0: like i said we we are not Mm. taking our time to expand but we want to make sure that our expansion is successful not just fast
1: And the consistency is there because if someone dines in a Red Chicks in California and then they go to Texas, they want the experience to be exactly the same. You want the food to taste the same. You want the service to be the same. And you want to feel like, wow, no matter where I go in this franchise chain, it's going to be consistent. So it sounds like you're doing a wonderful job with that. That's fantastic, Sean. Thank, thank you so much for joining us this was a great experience talking to and you know it's definitely a lot of food for thought for operators right now if they're thinking of expanding their business now maybe a good time because there's so many leases out there for sale and people are always looking for new opportunities and you had a very interesting approach to this business and it seemed like you dialed in so much of the franchise before you even had a franchise. That was really remarkable. So Thank you. Thank you. thanks so much. It's, it's always great talking to uh, fellow professionals in the business. Thanks, Sean.
0: Thank you, Roger. It was a pleasure.
1: And thanks to our audience for tuning in. That is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for tuning in and stay well, everyone. Wow, Sean! Thanks for joining us. What an amazing story that is. You know, you've clearly shown us that in order to grow from one location to two, to ten, to twenty, and even more, you really need to streamline, efficient. You know, make your business as efficient as it can be, and systemize all the key pieces. You know, those pieces being financial controls, maximizing your profit, training your staff to serve and sell, and deliver amazing dining experiences, and proven marketing firepower and what I call affinity that costs you very little money, but you know you can prove the return on investment. you see new and repeat business coming in the door all the time. That's really the magic formula to any successful restaurant enterprise. So you can find this. It's a template. It's a roadmap. It's a series of systems called the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. You can find that at restaurantrockstars.com on our shop page. And literally any step or any place you're at in this business, whether you're just opening your doors for the very first time, it teaches you everything you need to know to open a restaurant, as well as how to maximize your profits and run a restaurant most successfully by focusing on those critical systems. So check it out at restaurantrockstars.com. I'd like to thank the sponsors for this episode, Seven Shifts, Pop Menu, Bear Robotics. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll see you in the next episode. People go to restaurants for lots of reasons. What the customer doesn't know is the thousands of details it takes to run a great restaurant. This is a high risk, high fail business. It's a treacherous road and smart operators need a professional guide. I'm Roger. I've started many highly successful, high profit restaurants. I'm passionate about helping other owners and managers not just succeed, but knock it out of the park. You don't just want to run a restaurant. You want to dominate your competition and create a lasting legacy. Join the Academy and I'll show you how it's done. Thanks for listening to To the the Restaurant Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com.
0: See you next time.